Well, good evening, church. It is uh, a joy to be able to come and live stream tonight and uh, praying everything will go okay. I can't really control the live stream while I'm doing this, but uh, if anything goes wrong, I apologize. Uh, I haven't set it up with Northside till tonight, so hopefully it all works out. Uh, that was my Granny Spencer playing the piano at the introduction, and uh, I miss her. But uh, I do want to go over a few prayer requests before we get started. Uh, we had some uh, uh, mentions here this past week. Uh, I've been asking you to pray for Pastor Clarence Sexton. They did find out what was wrong with him. Uh, he has a brain injury that is treatable, and he's in rehabilitation now uh, to, to hopefully uh, be 100% healed from that. Uh, we'd also been praying for Raphael Kirkland, a friend of Jesse's. And uh, she said that he got 100% um, clear on his scans. And so, praise the Lord for that uh, good praise report. Uh, we've been praying for Stella and also Karen's friend, Vicki, whose daughter passed away. Uh, Kristen requested us to pray for her aunt and uncle. Been praying for Brother Jonathan Tharp having some uh, asthma issues. Uh, Sister Karen had an unspoken request. Uh, Sister Helen asked us to pray for Mabel, her granddaughter, uh, and her granddaughter having back problems, and she had an unspoken. Uh, got a request here for Angela Campbell Wolf, I believe, having an MRI. And then uh, Darlene asked us to pray for her with some issues she's having. And then Marianne asked us to pray about uh, someone that's taking over for her boss who's leaving and praying it to be a Christian man or a, a person that takes over be a Christian. And of course, we've been uh, asking prayer for us uh, with COVID. We were, me and Mary both tested positive yesterday and uh, we've been, we've got it pretty bad. Um, I feel a little bit better right now. Uh, the girls seem to be feeling some better, but uh, I'll probably be coughing and, and such while we're while I'm doing this, but uh, you pray for us as we'll continue to heal. I'm not sure what we'll be doing on Sunday. We'll just uh, leave it up to the Lord on that. And if there's other prayer requests that I failed to mention, then please just leave them in the comments or or send over our messenger. Give me some names that I need to keep remembering, and I appreciate that. And we'll pray for these here in just a moment. Um, first, uh, I want to... Uh, get into the Bible study. And so uh, we are in, this will be part number 12 of our Acts of Jesus Christ through His Apostles Bible study. And tonight uh, I've titled the message, Many Signs and Wonders. And we're going to look at, Lord willing, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 18. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 18. And here the Bible says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, 
and they were healed, every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word. I'm praying for all these names that we mentioned tonight, and God, those we might have failed to mention. Lord, I'm praying for each individual that may be listening to this live stream or may listen later on. God, that uh, your word will do a mighty work in our hearts. God, I'm praying for strength to be able to, to teach and to preach tonight, God, so that we can glorify you in everything that's done. Help us, Father. We'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we looked at the first 11 verses of this chapter, and it was dealing with the first internal church problem. If you remember, a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, they had lied to the Holy Ghost and pretended to give the full amount of money that they had received from selling their property. And uh, they lied, saying that they gave the full amount. And as we said, they were not required to do this at all. And even Peter even told them, you know, while it was in your uh, hands, it was yours to do what you wanted to with it. You know, there was no need for you to go and lie about it. But they did. They lied, and they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Ghost. And that uh, that was big problems. Uh, listen, God is uh, he's adamant that uh, when it comes to the, the working of the Holy Ghost, uh, there's nothing silly that takes place. Uh, it's, it's, um, uh, it means a lot. It's, uh, he's holy and, uh, he means business. And so this judgment, we know what happened. Peter, when he called him out on it, both the husband and the wife at separate times, they both fell down and died. And then the men come and took them and wrapped them up and buried them the same day. And that was, of course, divine judgment that God had placed on them. Now he was trying to make sure this early church, the beginning of the church, knew exactly how he felt about things. And to lie to the Holy Ghost was uh, something they were not to do. And so the Bible said that the uh, great fear came upon all the church, and as many as heard what had happened. So not only the church had great fear of, of, this, of these two dying from this, but uh, apparently all of Jerusalem had heard about it, and great fear fell upon all those that heard about it. And so that's where we pick up tonight after all that happened. And it's kind of back to business for the apostles. Now, the, the key apostles at this point, of course, is Peter and John. And later on in the book of Acts, we'll be looking at uh, uh, Paul uh, more thoroughly. But uh, Peter and John really are instrumental in, in the book of Acts and really the two apostles that uh, most information is about. Uh, Peter probably more than John in the book of Acts. But uh, that's where we pick up in verse 12. It says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Okay, so uh, here we find, as I title of the message, Many Signs and Wonders. That's where I took the title from. And let me just say this on a side note. There's, there's an awful lot of people today that are titling sermons and messages like clickbait. Uh, they're naming them something so outlandish to, just to get people to click on them and listen to them that it has nothing to do with the message. I, I've been done that way several times. Somebody will put something pr provocative out there about the Lord or, or about the Bible, and you click on it, and it has nothing to do with what they put. It's clickbait, and that's wrong. That's wrong. Y'all not do that. 
uh, going through seminary at Crown College, Pastor Sexton often told us that we were we should name the, the, the titles of the messages according to the Bible and not have outlandish names and, and things, just trying to draw people in to click on them. And sadly, in this uh, social media world that we live in today, that's what people are doing. They're trying to get clicks, trying to get likes. And uh, while I understand that, that you're trying to get people to listen, uh, clickbait is just wrong when it comes to preaching in the gospel. All right. <laughs> I'll probably preach on that later some other time. But here we see that the power of the Holy Ghost is continuing with the apostles. Jesus was the one who said that he was going to give them this, this power like this uh, right before he ascended into heaven. It says in Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus had told them beforehand that they were going to have power. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and the Holy Ghost has come upon them, and they have power. They have power to do a lot of things. Uh, the signs and wonders that it mentions here, these were outward signs that these apostles uh, had the ability to do through the Holy Ghost. And, and this was to con convince the Jews uh, uh, to believe in Jesus Christ. And I may uh, repeat it numerous times, but you need to understand that the Bible tells us the Jews required a sign. 1 Corinthians 1 and 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And that's their, their human nature. That's the way the Jew is. They, they require an outward sign. Uh, so they were wanting to see things. They were seeking after such as speaking in tongues and healing and prophesying and raising people from the dead. Those are the things the Jews were looking for uh, to believe in the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And so the apostles were given the power to do all those things. These were called apostolic gifts apostolic gifts. Now these were needed in the early days of the New Testament church. I fully believe that these apostolic gifts are no longer valid for today. Now I'm not discounting that God can do whatever he wants. He can do anything he wants. If he so chooses for a man to to raise somebody from the dead or heal somebody by touching them or what, he can do that. I'm not saying he can't. But what I am saying, it's not normal uh, for there to be apostles today. There's no apostles today, by the way. It's impossible to be an apostle today. I don't care how many people call themselves that. You cannot be an apostle. You have to be appointed as an apostle by the Lord himself, and you have to have witnessed his resurrection, his bodily resurrection afterwards. And we know that all the apostles were, even the apostle Paul, as the Lord came and revealed himself to him on that road to Damascus. And so uh, it's impossible for men to be apostles these days. Don't fall for those people. Yeah, they're out there. But let me stress again, these signs and gifts that were given to the apostles were just that. They were given to the apostles. Uh, these so-called faith healers that you see on television today, uh, they're nothing but a bunch of phony baloney. And they've done investigations on these guys, and they found them out. They're not the real deal. They, all this stuff is worked up. They've got their little microphones implanted in their ears, and they've got somebody in the back and telling them what to say and who to point out and... Uh, they've got people planted in the audience to, to react a certain way. And so, listen, like I said, God can still heal if he chooses to do so, and he can do miraculous things, but that's not the norm. Let me give you an example. And I mentioned this, I believe, is either Sunday or, or the previous Wednesday. I can't remember. 
I was talking about Johnny Erickson Tata. And if you don't know her, uh, I don't remember how old she is now. She's up in her 70s or 80s by now. But at 17 years old, she dove into the shallow end of a swimming pool and uh, hit her head on the bottom and broke the vertebrae in her neck and back. And she become a quadriplegic. So she can't move her arms and legs. And uh, let me, I, I listened to this radio program. It, it's by Hank Hanegraaff. He, he has a radio program and it's called uh, Interview with Forgotten Word Ministries. He's called the Bible Man Answers. Uh, Hank Hanegraaff. And he had a, a conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata about this, and this is what this is what occurred. She said, Kenneth Copeland or Kenneth Hagen or Benny Hinn, they've never called me and asked me to come on their program. Now, these men she just mentioned are very popular preachers, televangelists on TV. They, they make millions of dollars. They have airplanes, jets, and, and mansions, and just filthy rich. They're, they're, uh, they're making money off the gospel. And, uh, these men claim to be healers, faith healers. And she just point blank said, those guys have never called me and asked me to come on their program for a healing. And well, you know why? Because they can't heal. She said this. She said, I had read some portions of scripture that seemed to indicate that if God's word abided in me and I abided in him, I could ask whatever I wished and the request would be fulfilled and my joy would be brighter. And my sister packed me into her station wagon and a couple of friends, and we drove down to the Washington, D.C. arena, and Catherine Kuhlman swept on stage and praise courses and testimonies and songs and all of us in the wheelchair section. We kind of, of like, with bated breath, were waiting and wondering, and nothing happened. In fact, the ushers came up to uh, all of us in the wheelchair section, about 35 or 40 of us, and said, let's escort you all out early so as not to create a traffic jam. And so there I was, number 15 in a line of 35 people in wheelchairs or on crutches, waiting at the stadium, elevator to go up to the parking lot, and we could still hear the distant strains of the organ and the piano. Catherine Kuhlman's meeting was still going on, and I looked up and down this line of solemn-faced individuals and saw so much disappointment, and I thought something's wrong with this picture. Either I wasn't reading God's right, God right in his word, or God is not coming through on his promises. And I knew that wasn't true. And so it was that experience that drove me into God's word so deep, I started reading people like R.C. Sproul and J.I. Packer and Jeremiah Burroughs and John Owen and Jonathan Edwards and other contemporary authors, Dr. John MacArthur. There's so many. I really dove into God's word with both sleeves rolled up to understand the Lord's perspective on healing and I can say now that I am so grateful for the wisdom of God. Now, we know Johnny Erickson Tata has not been healed. She is still a quadriplegic. She does so many things. She has her own radio program. Um, I can't uh, recall the name of it right now. Uh, John, Johnny, and Friend, Johnny and Friends is the name of it. She's an author, written, I believe, 45 uh, separate books, Christian books. Uh, she's a radio host, and um, she paints uh, with a paintbrush in her mouth. And so, miraculous what she has done and what an inspiration she is as a Christian. But she realized that all these uh, people claiming to be healers were nothing but phony. And so, that is one of the dangers in this false teaching that men still have apostolic gifts. 
that were given to the early church. Why are all these men not going to the children's hospital and healing all those babies? Why are they not going to the nursing homes and healing all those with, with dementia? Why are they not going and doing this? Well, they can't. They don't have that power. All right. Our text, look back at our text there in uh, verse 12. It said, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And so we find again, the church is gathering on Solomon's porch. Now we've, we've discussed this already, what that was and where it was at there at the temple. But it seemed to be a common place that the church would gather together for preaching, healing, and just, just being together. It's kind of like we congregate usually at 201 Bernard Avenue, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, there at Northside Baptist Church. That's where we normally congregate. Well, they normally, it seems like they went to Solomon's porch to congregate together. And uh, look at verse 13. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. <laughs> now that verse right there can be a little confusing. It, it, it almost seems like it's a riddle or it doesn't make sense. Um, maybe difficult to interpret, and there's as many interpretations as, as there are Bible commentators. And believe me, I've read them all to see other men's ideas on this. Uh, I personally believe that what this is referring to are people that were unconverted that witnessed what had happened to Ananias and Sapphira and great fear came on them. And instead of going to the church and believing in the Lord Jesus, they went the opposite way. They would not. It says, and the rest durst no man join himself to them. And so these uh, may have been sinners. They may have been uh, others like Ananias and Sapphira and they were uh, they saw how they were stricken dead for their sin. Maybe they thought, well, I don't want any part of that. But not everyone was that way because we see in the very next verse that people continued getting saved. Look at it, verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. So despite the strong discipline of the Lord and him making known to everyone how he feels about lying to the Holy Ghost, and his requirement for the church and its members, they still were multiplying. More and more members were added to the church. And so that, uh, that means they were saved. We are not given a specific amount of people in this point. Uh, only multitudes, it says right there, which likely were, was thousands. Uh, but we do see some qualities of this New Testament church that's given throughout this passage of Scripture that I want us to be aware of. There's really... Five things that uh, we need to understand about this church. First of all, the early church members led holy and pure lives. It was expected that they'd live that way. These days, it, it doesn't seem to be expected. People believe they can uh, call themselves Christians and put their name on the church roll book and live any old way they want to. Well, it was expected the early church members led holy and pure lives. Not just We're not just saying church members, but Christians. The early church was in one accord and had all things in common. Now, that's a rare thing these days. You don't see many churches with all things in common. There's splits and split, splinters and all kinds of problems going on in a lot of churches today. That's why there's a church about every half mile. I mean, I can go down the road here. There's a church just about a mile from us. And then you can go three quarters of a mile. And there's another church there. It split off that church. <coughs> Excuse me. And on down the road is another church. Split off that one. So... Uh, that's the way it is these days. But in that day, the church had one, were all in one accord and had all things in common. 
Thirdly, the early church had great leaders that helped and taught the people. It's hard to have leadership these days. I mean, it's tough. It's hard to find anybody that's willing to stand up and, and, and teach a class or, or uh, anything. I'm thankful for men at our church that, that will do that. I'm thankful for Brother Scott, certainly, for getting up and leading their singing and teaching in Sunday school. and uh, What a blessing that is. You know, I've been in situations where I do it all. And so I am so thankful for that. But uh, the early church had great leaders, and uh, they helped and taught all the people. It wasn't just one person going around trying to do it all. The fourth thing about these, this early church is they had great power as demonstrated through the apostles. Now, of course, apostolic gifts was, was different. We don't have that today. Uh, me and Brother Scott can't go around healing people, not like Peter and John. <laughs> Uh, but in that early church, they did. They had great power and was demonstrated through the apostles. And fifth, the early church had great respect and influence, not only in the church, but outside the church. Outside the church, they uh, people looked in from the outside, and they had respect for those people. And uh, it's not like that today. There's no respect for the church. But uh, churches today should exhibit all these same qualities that the early church had. Our leaders may not be able to perform miraculous healings, uh, but we can certainly demonstrate the power of God through preaching and teaching his word and leading in prayer. You know, it's getting to where you can't even call on people to pray anymore. People don't want to. I remember at our last church, I called on a guy, and he, he started doing this right here. I'm like, brother, you're not, are you not saved? You're not a Christian? What's wrong with you? Do you not want to pray? What's wrong? And I understand people being backward and shy and everything. This guy wasn't. But uh, some people say, I, I'm not ducking. I don't pray out in public. Well, uh, we see the early church did. They didn't have a problem with it. It's hard to find people these days who stand up and pray and say what's on their heart. All right, look at verse 15. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Okay, so do the miraculous healing that's been exhibited by the apostles and how the word has got out and spread, uh, mainly through Peter. Peter's really been the, the one that's been doing most of this. People are coming out in droves to be healed and treated for sickness and diseases and devils. And uh, there were so many of them, they were having to lay down on the edges of the streets and uh, they thought if they could even get within the shadow of Peter as he walked down the street, maybe his shadow would, would kind of over, overshadow them and they'd get healed just from his shadow. Well, the Bible don't, don't say they got healed by Peter's shadow. It said that, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. It didn't ever say that his shadow healed anybody. Now, it could have because we do know all these people were eventually healed. But... Uh, and the Holy Spirit, sure, he can work that way. Uh, he worked through Paul uh, in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And so God can use any method or means that he wants to, but it doesn't say in our text that Peter's shadow healed anybody but they thought it would. What healed people was their faith, their faith that they could be healed. That's what healed them. And so uh, there were so many people there 
that there's no way that Peter could get to each and every individual in one day's time. I believe this was probably a matter of a few days. I don't believe this all happened in one day. I believe it was extended days uh, that there were so many of them, much like the woman in Luke chapter 8 with the issue of blood for 12 years and how she thought, you know, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I can be uh, made whole. And, of course, it was through her faith that she was made whole. But uh, that's similar to this. All right, look at verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. So we can see that all these healings had to take place over a matter of days or even maybe even weeks due to the amount of people. I mean, this was would have been chaos to try to do it in one day. But the word is spread everywhere about this great healing revival that's taking place in Jerusalem. So people from cities all around are making a journey to Jerusalem so that they could be part of this and be, uh, you know, be healed. <coughs> Excuse me. Notice that phrase there, vexed with unclean spirits. This means they were possessed with devils. That's what that means. They were called unclean because... Uh, because they caused people to sin and live impure lives. That's what they did. Unclean spirits cause you to live an unclean life. Uh, there were many people afflicted with unclean spirits in those days. And there's many people afflicted with unclean spirits in the day we live in right now. We don't ever talk about it much. You know, it's not mentioned much about people with unclean spirits. Instead, here's what we do in these days. We say, oh, well, you know, that's their preference or that's their personal way of wanting to do things. And so let's just pass the law. They're protected, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, uh, in, in the days of the Lord, they were unclean spirits. They were filled full of devils, and I believe they still are today. And they need to be healed the same way these people need to be healed. They need devils cast out of them because they're filled with them. And the Bible says they were healed, every one of them. It don't necessarily mean they were saved, but they were healed. And some people say, well, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. Healing and being saved is two different things. And oftentimes you hear people say things like, well, if we could see real miracles like they did back in the days of, of Jesus, then people would believe in him and get saved. Is that right? Is that what you think? Because even in Jesus' day, people saw the miracles. They were even subjects of his miracles, but yet they still not did not believe in him. Let me give you an example. Over in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, we're told about ten lepers. Luke 17, 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith, hath made thee whole. And so there's a difference between being healed and being saved. Here we find ten lepers, only one of them actually got saved, as far as we can tell. 
these other ones went about their merry way. They got uh, they got the benefits from the Lord, but uh, they didn't believe in Him. Not with uh, saving faith. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. <laughs> all right, so we see once again persecution coming from outside the church. So we had from outside, then we had from inside, and now it's from the outside again. It's going to continue to be from the outside. Uh, these uh, um, high priests and all those that were with them there, the sect of the Sadducees, and we talked about them. They're so sad, you see. Uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't. They didn't like any of this that was going on. They hated uh, the preaching about Jesus. These were so-called religious leaders, the ones that should have been overjoyed at all this that was going on, and said, "Wow, look at the power of God healing all these people. This is wonderful." But they did not. The Bible says they were filled with indignation. That word means zealous envy and jealousy is what that word means. They were so jealous that uh, of what's going on with Peter and John and the apostles and all the healing that God is doing through them, through the Holy Spirit, because they were not part of it. They're of their father, the devil, is what Jesus told them. So uh, they were not part of this. But here we see uh, Peter and John and those apostles were now considered the religious leaders. They're leading all the people in the things of God. And so they've been filled with jealousy and envy, indignation, so much so that they say, we're going to arrest them. They've got to shut these guys up. They're making us look so bad. We've got to do something about it, guys. You would think they would have learned the last time. They're not going to be a thing they can do about it. But they try. Look at verse 18. And laid, hand, laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. And so here they go again. Um, you know, last time they just kind of had them under house arrest, kind of. But now they've actually locked them up in a common prison. And so this is no small matter. Uh, and this is what weak-minded men do. Weak-minded men, when they're faced with problems, they lash out and they do the only thing they know what to do, how to do, and that's to resort to violence. That's what weak-minded men do. And so they have them arrested. Instead of going and reasoning with them, speaking with them, finding out exactly how it is that this was going on and, and you know uh, how they could be part of this and, and how they could pray for them. Instead of doing that, no, they're going to turn them, have them arrested, get rid of them. And so we're going to stop right there, and Lord willing, we'll pick back up next week on the, on the rest of this chapter, and we'll see what happens after these men are locked up and it, it never does go like uh, the, the high priest and the Sadducees want it to go. <laughs> that always tickles me uh, to see what happens. But uh, All right, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the, the Bible study tonight, the preaching, the teaching. God, for your word. Lord, we're just praying for each individual that may have been listening. God, I have no idea who's been listening or who's going to listen later. But we know you do, and God, I pray that you deal with hearts tonight. God, just uh, those that may be struggling right now, all those names that we mentioned that are sick and having treatments, God, we're praying for them. I pray, Lord, that you just intervene on their behalf. God, I pray for Northside Baptist Church, God, that you'll just uh, fill us full of your spirit, God, that we'll just uh, uh, we'll glorify you in everything that's done. Thank you for... 
uh, each member, God. Thank you for our leadership. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given the church over all these years, God. We pray, Lord, that you always find us in your will and in your word. And God, may we be shining lights in this world of darkness. And we'll give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, uh, don't forget, uh, I'm not sure about Sunday. I will send out a call them all when we decide. We'll see how things going. Uh, right now, I can't even hardly hear myself. Uh, my ears are completely stopped up. My my throat's all clogged up. And uh, I've been running fevers. I'm, I'm running one right now. Uh, but uh, we'll find out. And uh, we'll see uh, probably in two, three days of what we, we'll need to do. All right. Uh, well, in fear of the Lord, we're separated. <laughs>